This is the Fantasy Nightcap, a Fantasy Nightcap production with your host, Shane. Kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome into the Fantasy Nightcap. Grab a drink, kick back, and relax. I am not your normal bartender. I'm Eric. Uh, with me tonight is your normal bartender, Shane. He's the host of the Fantasy Nightcap. Shane, how's it going tonight? Man, I'm great. Uh, you and I talked about this, I guess, a, a month ago, roughly, when we were doing a, a Dynasty wide receiver and tight end episode, I believe, and uh, figured we would jump into some Dynasty rankings and my specific Dynasty rankings in the model that I've created if you will so uh yeah tonight y'all eric will be uh driving this ship and uh pouring the drinks and uh i'll be the guest in in theory so y'all kick back and let's have some fun but yeah i I am gonna do my normal duty but go ahead i was gonna say i'm i'm driving so everyone please buckle up and this is a lesson for anyone out there that might be watching or guesting on podcasts if you steer the host off of their topic of discussion enough, they'll probably ask you to come back and talk about that topic in much greater detail. <laughs> this is this is the, the result of me being off topic while we were trying to talk about tight ends five or six weeks ago. Yeah, but it was good discussion, and that's kind of why we, we wanted to dive into this. So I'm ready. Let's All go. right. Before we do that, though, you guys know the question. What are you drinking? Tonight, I am drinking some ranch water. One of my yeah. favorites, basically a uh, take on a margarita that doesn't have the margarita mix or the triple sec in it. It is uh, tequila, it is club, and it is a healthy amount of lime. I didn't have lime, so I went lemons. Um, but it is one of my favorite summertime go-tos. Very nice. What kind of tequila did you use? Because on the nightcap, we are tequila snobs. That is a great question. I use whichever one of my bottles was down to the nearest of the bar. <laughs> we, um, we're bad in our bar. We've got like, I'd say probably 50% of our bar are bottles that have maybe a fifth or less remaining in it. <laughs> so whenever whenever I'm hurriedly pouring a drink, it's usually whichever bottle I can, I can kill. Yeah. Not sure which one it was. All right. Well, we'll have to find that out later. I may put it in the uh, the show notes for this. Um, it's funny. Eric and I were talking pre-show, and he mentioned that he was drinking ranch water. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, it's basically a margarita without the, the margarita mix and triple sec. And I was like, well, that's funny because I'm drinking a margarita tonight. Um, and I used, and I am not ashamed to say this, I used Nick Jonas's tequila. It's called Via oh. One. Um, and it's very good. Um, it's kind of, I was talking with a, a bartender this weekend. Um, it's kind of like a mezcal cause it's kind of got a woody kind of smokier hint to it than an, a normal tequila. But I think part of that too is probably because Nick Jonas is a type one diabetic. So he has to kind of tone down the sugar. Um, but Ooh. it's still really sweet. So I, I really enjoy it and it makes a phenomenal margarita. Like, I don't know, like I don't necessarily love drinking it straight, but it is the, it's my go-to if I've got it for, a margarita. That's awesome. Yeah, we were we were talking back show uh, backstage before the show, 
Uh, and I was telling you about a uh, tequila and mezcal bar we went to mm -hmm. in Vegas, and they made a fantastic mezcal old fashioned. Ooh. It was basically like uh, it was it was all of the typical ingredients of a, of an old fashioned, but it had uh, like some coffee and some caramel liqueur in there nice. to give it a bit more of that bourbon flavor. Mm -hmm. It was trouble. I probably <laughs> went through a good half dozen of those in an hour. So goodness, um, yeah. Yeah, shout out to a, a local restaurant here called Monkey Wrench. It's a barbecue joint, and we actually went there this weekend for my daughter's birthday. Um, but they have made the best old-fashioned I think I've ever had. It was phenomenal. Um, I actually didn't get one. I got a beer and a, a margarita, but um, their old-fashioned is is oh, just I, – I can't even describe it. It's just perfectly, perfectly made, so – true all right sir I'm, I'm giving the keys to you here you go yeah let's rock I, roll. I've, I've, i feel like every bartender has extra pressure on them whenever one of their colleagues or another bartender is at their bar so yeah i'll probably drink my way through this one um but i want to move on to the second round for our trip here at the bar and that is process over results and that leads us to Maybe the most important question in terms of the process by which you work through these rankings, and that's how often do you update these bad boys? Is there a regular cadence you try to stick to? Do you just tweak it whenever there's news or anything going on? Um, you know, what's what's the time frame by which you're updating these rankings? That's a great question. So first year I did it. It was really, it, it was kind of tweak when I had time in the off season because I was building, building the model. And then during the season, I didn't update them at all because I didn't have the time. So far this off season, what I've done has mainly been surrounded by news, but like this off season has been great because there's been news like every week, it seems like. So I've been tweaking them, I, I feel like a little bit more frequently but it's an easier tweak because the model's already built for the most part. I'm not having to tweak the grading scale or, or tweak anything like that. I'm just kind of like, okay, this person changed teams and maybe that helps this quarterback's weapons go up or their opportunity goes up or, and then this person's opportunity drops because this person's been added different things like that. So it's kind of been, and I'll typically do it in, in bulk processes. It's not like I'm, tweaking it every day or, or every week even even with how frequently we have had news um but i i'm trying to keep it current during the off season at least and i think this season because i won't be writing as much i don't think i'll have more time to update them in season but i still be, with them being dynasty rankings specifically I don't think you need to update your dynasty rankings as frequently in season as you do like your redraft rankings, obviously. So up until that last statement, I feel like I had a pretty good follow-up question. Um, now that you've said it, I, I think it, it at least sort of leads into how you think about this. But my, my question itself was, you know, during the off season, this is a, this is a player valuation tool, right? Mm -hmm. Once we get to in season, are you still pretty steadfast on that being the case, or are you, um, you know, changing anything about this or changing how you use this to maybe inform 
lineup decisions or things like that? I, I didn't for year one. Because, again, there was a, a lack of time to truly update it as I probably needed to in season. I think this year, with having slightly more time and, and being able to do so, I could probably see myself doing that a little bit more. Makes sense. So the, the next question that I wanted to touch on is, the next question I wanted to pose is actually one that we touched on a little bit earlier and that is around, um, you know, some of these more subjective uh, tiers within your your categories or your mm-hmm. scales. Um, I, I feel like we spent a good amount of time there. So instead, I want to double back to something we talked about or at least introduced a little bit earlier. And that's some of these half points mm-hmm. on the various ratings on players. Yep. Why, why have a one to five scale if you're going to give a half point to a player. The way you worded that question, I was not prepared to answer. <laughs> um, so I'm going to answer it in the way that I was hoping you would ask a question. I think, again, like you and I have talked about throughout the, the previous episode and we'll probably talk about throughout this episode, is this is Fairly subjective still. Mm-hmm. I'm adding in those numbers to make it, to, to pull out the the Shane, if you will, the, the Shane effect, and make it more like, this is your scale, this is what you do, blah, 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 blah. But there are certain cases, I guess, where I've given a player a, a 4.5, and it's like, they technically scored a 4 but where I think they really are is closer to that five, but maybe that quantitative number has pulled it down to a four. So because I want them, because I know how I have it weighted, I want to give them a little bit of a boost. So I'll throw them at a 4.5 because they haven't earned that five yet. But I think they should be higher than a, a straight four which I think Eric leads to a question that we talked about or something that we talked about last episode, which is it's one to five. And that was kind of the the basis of this question. It's only one to five. I have been battling with myself over the last two or three months of like, do I need to expand this scale from one to five to one to 10 even? And make it more so that it can more finely grade out those players. And I, I think what really inspired me was the episode with Heath Cummings, where we talked about QB and, and RB rankings initially. And he's, I think his scale was like out of like, I don't even know. He said he had like someone score like an 870 or something, if I remember correctly. So it's like he's got a, he's got a one to 32 scale. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> He's awesome, by the way. Um, but I've been I've been playing with the idea of somehow expanding the scale, even if it's not necessarily expanding the one to five, but somehow tweaking the weighted system. It, like you guys will see, I've got the custom weightings tab here, and we're not gonna I'm not gonna show you guys that too long. Um, but 
figuring out a way to change and manipulate that to where it kicks out different numbers better, if that makes sense, or more so distinguished numbers. You are not going to show our guests and our viewers that weighted uh, tab much longer. But right. I will instead force you to, at least by way of the question that I'm going to ask, going back to the last question about the updates that you're making on these mm -hmm. rankings, if you had to kind of split it out uh, as, a, as a pie chart, what percentage of those tweaks, those updates that you're making are to the actual player categories themselves? And what percentage of those tweaks are in this custom weightings tab that you've now pulled up? That's a great question, honestly, Eric. I th I'm trying to think how to answer this because I know exactly how I want to answer. So, like, for for example, Russell Wilson gets traded to Denver. His weapons, in my opinion, upgraded just slightly. He gets better running back. He gets similar wide receiver one and two, potentially. Maybe a little bit more depth and a better tight end. Better situation for Russ Wilson. So in that, I'm going to tweak his weapons grade on the actual QB tab. Mm -hmm. But like we were talking about last episode with Mooney, and oh, who the freak was it? Oh, actually... I'm glad I, I went with uh, Russell Wilson because if we scroll down here to wide receiver 33, I have KJ Hamler. Mm. KJ Hamler does not belong there, in my opinion. By most That's, accounts, yeah. Yes. That is where, however, the rankings model has spit him out. And I think... That is one of those cases where I went and tweaked the custom waiting tab because I was trying to, because I he was even higher than that. So then I started to tweak these grades and figure out a way to knock KJ Hamler down. And th so that's where I think the ultimate answer to your question is, is where if there's someone who is higher or even lower than I think they should be, it's not a matter of changing their specific grade. That's when it becomes a matter of, I'm going to go change the weighting on the custom weighting tab. Yeah, and, and this this ties together beautifully. We've we've kind of jumped around a lot in these last two questions. We've, we've really taken more of the Tarantino approach, but I, I think this is where where the plot line merges together. Obviously, we're talking about process over results. I am much more of a processed purist than um, than kind of and uh, taking an objective approach to, to things. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, a subjective approach to things. Looking at your rankings, looking at KJ Hamler sitting up at thirty three, right? Mm -hmm. His speed is a five. His age is a five, right? Like yeah. these uh, these points of evaluation. Are, are true about him, couple that with the fact that all over these rankings, you've got a lot of 0.5s sitting in here. It mm -hmm. would seem to me that all arrows point to this custom weighting, right? Like if you're going in there and giving someone 
a, a half a tier advantage in whatever category to me that says we need to double click on this custom weighting and make the weights balance out to where you don't feel so inclined to give someone an edge up or an edge down. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Um, but I, th so I think the, the counter, I don't even know if counterpoint's the right word here, but the next step, I guess, isn't even necessarily tweaking the weighting for each position. Even I think it's adding a couple more categories mm. to help quantity quantify it which is something that i've also been battling with myself is like do i have the time to actually do that um, oh man we're gonna we're gonna take a left turn on this show okay let's go <laughs> so we don't have to finalize anything i know that you have commitment issues and we love you for who you are but i really love the idea of adding some more evaluation categories yeah. if you have a couple that you've been kicking around what are some of the different categories that are maybe kind of next up or that you would like to introduce across any or all of the different positions in your rankings? Yeah. So the, for QB specifically, I want to figure out a way to specify this weapons category. Um, mm -hmm. And that is really probably just spreadsheet work that I'm not capable of. Uh, but really like, pull in the running back wide receiver and tight end that is on each team to actually come up with a weapon grade for that. I mean, do, you, do you even really need a grade, right? Like you can just go into, so there's two questions there. One, couldn't you just go into your wide receiver tab and pull the cumulative score of all of that quarterback's pass catchers? Um, yeah, well, and I think that's... score is, is a more desirable set of weapons, right? Yeah, and I think that's... I think that's what I, I was trying to say. It's um, a way. <laughs> yeah. I, Probably I, not I, the most scientific way. Yeah, and I think that's where I, I'm, I'm running into it, is like, what's the most scientific way, what's the most accurate way to get all of that compiled into where, like, if I change my wide receiver rankings, it changes the quarterback weapons great is essentially what yeah. I, I think what I was playing at there um, with running back. So like the, I've got the average separation for wide receivers. I want at least one more advanced metric for running backs. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. where to go with that. I think maybe break We've got... broken tackle rate would be one. Um, We've got rusher, we've got receiver, we've got opportunity, points per game, and age, age are the five categories there. Yeah, I would, I think, I would it, think if I, I think remember. broken tackles makes a lot of sense, right? Two, three, four, five, six. It is the one with the lowest amount of grades, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is one short of it of every other category. So that's kind of where I would why I want to tweak that. I think with it and with wide receiver, with running back and with wide receiver, I would want to somehow quantify volume as well, which obviously that that kind of leans towards that opportunity grade. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of been the whole thing is like start subjective and then pull some objective in to kind of mesh in the middle 
Yeah. So with with that concept, I mean, you you started to encapsulate that back when we were talking about quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically when we were talking about uh, these these categorizations or these tiers as a passer, as a rusher, you know, through the elite, very good, average, below average, and gross uh, categories. Yeah. And I I lit up like a Christmas tree as you were saying that the elite classification is the five highest scorers. Mm -hmm. But then very good is a group of six. And average is a group of 10 or of 12, right? So if if we're talking about trying to quantify the opportunity for running backs and for wide receivers, I think as long as you're doing it in a similar way, right, you can just literally go – one to well, thirty-five or one to fifty, but break them into more specific or smaller cohorts based on just how difficult it is to get into that top tier, that second tier. I, yeah. I think that that would really perform nicely in the calculation of your model. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and that's kind of what I've tried to do with each position, like is. And, and each category within those positions is really come up with like a a tier essentially of like okay these are the top five in this category and then the next six and then the next I think it's probably twelve to fifteen typically Sounds and right. then next ten and then whoever's left so hmm. specifically yeah. trying to hone in on the sixth category for running backs. Mm-hmm. N- not Shane's model in this spreadsheet, but Shane's thoughts in his head. What is it that you care about when it comes to evaluating running backs? Oh, that's a great question. And as as you think through this, I will uh, I'll give you the courtesy stall. I kind of feel like either broken tackles or evaded tackles is mm-hmm. probably the next one to consider. Um, but if, I mean, like if you're thinking of running backs as largely interchangeable and you're just trying to get the upside of the guys that can get a score, maybe it's like a red zone opportunity metric, right? Um, a lot it of these, may... actually both of these that I mentioned are quantified very cleanly over on player profiler um yeah there there might be there might be something to take in a spin through there and figuring out which is the next category to introduce because five does feel kind of light right yeah absolutely because i've got at least six for every other one the thing that i want from a running back oh it's so hard to quantify especially with where the nfl is going Mm mm-hmm it may end up being something like Snapshare, which I guess is essentially still opportunity. But that's what I'm looking for in an, uh, a running back is are they on the field and are they dominating touches? So what's off- interesting, specifically in the context of where today's NFL is heading for more and more players, more and more running backs specifically snap share and opportunity share are two entirely different statistics. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I was uh, debating whether or not Ezekiel Elliott should be drafted for uh, a short piece for Jeff over going for two. Might even be up on his YouTube uh, now, going for two network. If you're not already subscribed over there, do it. Jeff is putting out great work. Um, But specifically, looking at Ezekiel Elliott, he was like running back 25 in um, opportunity share, but he was like running back 11 in snap share. So Mm -hmm. the very simple calculation there, he's on the field alongside Tony Tony Pollard a fair amount, right? Like he's seeing the field, but he's not seeing a requisite share of opportunity. And I think that's a trend that is going to continue to proliferate across the league. You just hit hit it on the head. That's exactly what I need to do. hmm. Because hot take of the summer, Kyron Williams is the best back in the LA Rams backfield. Whoa. And I think we see that for a similar reason that you just talked about with Zeke. And that, my friend, is pass blocking. Kyron Williams is the best pass blocking back in this 2022 rookie class. I've said it for months now that if Kyron Williams was not on the field in 2020 when Notre Dame and Clemson played, Ian Book would be buried on that field because Kyron Williams was pass blocking like a mother trucker to save Ian Book's life. Stonewalling, guys, Eric. I'm talking guys that are 6'3", 250, run a 4'4", 40, coming for Ian Book's head, and Kyron Williams' 5'9", 195 ass is just like, nope, stops them dead in their tracks. He had a pretty good game when it comes to rushing and passing in that game too, but the thing that stood out to me was his pass blocking, and I think that's where, with this opportunity share versus snap share that we were talking about, he gets more snaps as a pass blocker, and that's going to lead to more opportunity for him, I think, later on down the road. Whereas with Zeke, I think his opportunity share is decreasing because he's slowing down a bit because he's been utilized throughout his first, what, five years in the NFL now? Hmm. He's one of a handful of backs, I think, to have over 300 carries in multiple seasons. So I think like his wear and tear is higher because of that. So his snap share is staying high, but his usage is dropping. And some people will argue because Tony Pollard is a better back. Um, I don't personally think so. I think Zeke is a better all around back. He's just lost a little bit of a, of explosiveness due to his utilization previously. So I feel like the question that you've asked, and this is a really long-winded answer, but I think that snap share scale, maybe even snap share and pass blocking or something that would need to be added to the model for running backs. Yeah, I mean, if if you look at it, right, like as you're as you're talking through it, all of the other positions have more evaluation categories. Mm-hmm. And specifically 
if you look over at tight ends, you look over at wide receivers, they have more of the prototypical kind of draft evaluation categories in there, mm-hmm. right? Hands, yep. route running, separation. Like these are things that NFL teams are considering and trying to get a good gauge on when they make a decision to draft or not to draft a player. Total Whereas, side note to interrupt you real quick. Wide receiver is my favorite position to scout. So yeah. that is probably why they are the most developed and have the most categories is because they're my favorite to watch and scout. So with that, running back is the only position that doesn't really have some of these traditional scouting and draft evaluation categories in there, right? Age, Mm -hmm. rushing ability, receiving ability, opportunity, points per game, right? If you were to introduce a pass blocking metric in there, at least a pass blocking measurement, and, and sort of introduce some of those more kind of draft evaluation components to your rankings model for running backs, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of guys shift pretty dramatically, right? Yeah. For sure. Super interesting. Anything on the uh, uh, on the tight end world that you would consider adding as your next evaluation category or hadn't put much thought into that yet? Oh, I haven't. And I know on the last, not the last episode that we recorded tonight, but the last episode where we were talking wide receivers and tight ends, we you made fun of me for having blocking on there. But that actually, like, tying that back into the conversation we were just having with running backs, like, you aren't going to score points for pass blocking as a running back. You're not going to score fantasy points for blocking. But the reason I have that on there is because blocking as a tight end is going to get you on the field if you're good at it, unless you are a freak of an athlete like Kyle Pitts. So, or according to your model, Mark Andrews, right yeah. among your top 10, he's easily the lowest in terms of his blocking grade. Yeah, and I think part of that also has to do with the fact uh, just with the way that I know Andrews is used. Like Andrews is essentially the Travis Kelsey of the Baltimore Ravens offense. He is their wide receiver one, especially now that Tyreek Hill is gone for, for Kansas city. Like Mark Andrews is that guy for Baltimore. Even when Hollywood Brown was there, it was Andrews as the number one target in my opinion. So he's not going to necessarily block as much. So I think that's why his blocking grade is lower than others. So this might not pertain to your rankings model specifically, but I I think Mark Andrews is a decent example of this sort of on the other end of the spectrum. It does feel like for tight end specifically, if they are quote unquote too strong at blocking, they run the risk of being sort of typecast in that way, right? They don't Mm -hmm. go out on routes and they stay in to protect more often. Is there... I guess, is there any thought or any way to try to capture that in your model? Or is that something that, look, outright talent is going to rise to the top? And if someone happens to be a fantastic blocker like George Kittle, but is also incredibly strong in every other area, the offense is going to find a way to get him the ball. 
I I think it's more the latter for sure. I think if they are a super strong blocker, but also just a freak of an athlete with huge yak ability like George Kittle, then the blocking isn't going to typecast them like you were talking about. But like, I'm, I'm jumping into Madden a little bit here just because it's what's on the mind, I guess. But like Mercedes Lewis in Madden is like one of the best blocking tight ends. And I, I think I heard them talking about that on a Packers broadcast this past year too. Like Mercedes Lewis is a phenomenal blocking tight end. He Because of that, he gets typecast into that. I don't even think I have Mercedes Lewis ranked because he's 400 years old. But that might be an example of someone who gets typecast into that, and because of that, his opportunity score drops. Does that answer that question? Yeah, it does. Um, I'm I'm chewing in my own head if there's a way to try to capture that, but I don't think there's one that really scales over the entire player pool for tight end. Well, so, let me ask you this. So yeah. the six right, yeah, six categories for tight ends are hands, route running, blocking, opportunity, age, and fantasy points per game. What do you think would be the, I guess, ideal ad for a category for tight end specifically? So that's tricky. I think I think we probably stick with the Mark Andrews Baltimore example. Mm-hmm. And it it might even be sort of a zoomed out categorization, maybe even a play on opportunity, which is yeah, how much the tight end is featured in that offense. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily an opportunity split to that player in particular, but what percentage of all passes are going to a tight end? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, route well, participation, right? Like how often is a tight end going out there and running a route run. in general? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because you bring up a good point because like Jeremy Ruckert is rookie tight end for the Jets now. Mm-hmm. He went to Ohio State. They don't throw to their tight ends. That's right. But he's a decent prospect that you may want to throw a dart at in rookie drafts because of his athletic profile. But if you look at solely production, it's probably not going to get you there because that's just the way the Ohio State offense works. So I think that's actually a really good point. Yeah, I was I was kind of struggling to pinpoint what the metric is, but the player that I had in mind when I was uh, rambling through that was Trey McBride, right? Like mm-hmm. he's behind Zach Ertz on that depth chart. Zach Ertz has a pretty sizable contract that was recently given to him. Mm-hmm. But whenever Zach Ertz ages out of that, of that leading or starting role in Arizona, there isn't a, a better system. Uh, that's probably a bit hyperbolic. The system, the scheme that Arizona runs is fantastic for the tight ends. And I think that that should boost Trey McBride's dynasty value, even though he likely won't see the benefit of that for a couple years to come. But that is where I need to verify this. That's almost where I feel like you could make the point, like how we talked about with 
with quarterbacks, the age range for a one or a five is 20 to 28. With tight ends, I've got it at 20 to 20, 21 to 24. I don't know why I picked 21 instead of 20. Who knows? <laughs> but that's almost one of those things where I feel like we could even expand that five category because tight ends take longer to develop. And so playing into that Trey McBride situation specifically, like I feel like he's the perfect example of he's behind a veteran tight end. He's probably the tight end one in this class, but because tight ends take three years typically to develop, he may fall into one of those opportunity shares later on that like, like you were just talking about, like he's going to smash that opportunity, but his age will, as he gets older, obviously drop him down those categories. So it's kind of like, I guess, playing devil's advocate with yourself or with myself, where do I expand that age range for tight ends specifically in the same thought of quarterbacks being 20 to 28? Am I making sense? You you are. I'm uh, I'm giddy over here because I'm going to throw another curveball at you. Oh, shit. <laughs> look at look at your dynasty rankings for tight ends and okay. specifically look at the age of everybody the age score of everybody inside of your top 10 apart from the unicorn that is Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. none of them are younger than 24 we don't we don't see yeah TJ Hawkinson I think he turned Which 25 I think I need year, to right? I think I need to update that yeah I think he's turning 25, maybe over the summer, early in the season. But point being, we don't see tight ends break out in their first two or three years in the league. So what I would posit is actually take the 25 to 28-year-old range mm-hmm. and make that a five. Oh, so like flip it. Like make 21 yeah. to 20 or yeah, 21 to 24 a four and 25 to 28 or whatever the hell it is, a five. That's right. I actually love that, and that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what was going on in my brain too. Um, I, I like that a lot, actually. Because it, I mean, Kyle Pitts is so incredibly unique in terms of what he 100%. is and what he's doing in in the NFL. But apart Which. from him, like you're you're so rarely getting top ten, top twelve contribution from a twenty three or twenty four year old tight end. Yes. Shout out to any Debbie players or even Dynasty players. There's two names that you need to keep on your radar that are going to be Kyle Pitts-esque. Michael Meyer for the 2023 class, tight end out of Notre Dame. I know I'm biased, and I know Eric is laughing at me right now because I'm biased, but Michael Meyer has the nickname Baby Gronk for a reason. He's freaking good. But then in the 2024 class... The arguable Debbie tight end one for anybody not named Shane Barrett is Brock Bowers out of Georgia. That kid can play. If you are a dynasty manager, you need to have both of these guys' names on your list because they can be Kyle Pitts-esque to where they produce in year one or year two because they are that good. And now I'm off my soapbox. I am giggling over here. Because in your glowing review of Michael Myers, you 
basically said all of the things that Cole Komet stands have been saying two years prior to him getting in the league. Oh, and 100%. now well, as I'm a we Cole continue Komet to wait for him to break out. <laughs> I'm a Cole Komet stand too. Michael Myers better than Cole Komet ever was. 100%. Okay. Like, as, I, as long as you're willing to plant your flag in that and not just do the Notre Dame tight end plays good in NFL. No, uh, I, I uh, mean, rinse and repeat that I'm, I'm here for it. That's part of it, but I'm also a Notre Dame fan. So like I've watched a lot of them. Cole Komet was good. Yeah. Cole, like Cole Komet was good in college. I think he'll be a good tight end. He's, I mean, he's only in year three. Like we just fucking we talked just about said it. Um, <laughs> but Michael Meyer can be that dude in year one. Like I have, like I said this either as a guest or on my own show a month or two ago, I think if Kyle Pitts and Mike Meyer were in the same class, personally, I would have struggled to pick between the two because that's how high I am on Michael Meyer. I know. And, and part of that too, like admittedly is the Notre Dame bias of being a Notre Dame fan. But at the same time, like, I truly believe Michael Meyer is that good. Well, you certainly have arguably more hours than anyone watching him and watching Notre Dame games. So yeah. uh, definitely something that I will put a lot of stock in. I want to get back to this second round here. Yeah. Um, we've got one more question, and then time permitting, we're going to go kind of rapid fire in the third round. The last question is I want to know if there's a time where this model spit out something that you inherently disagreed with. And is that something where you take it at face value, right? I, I put faith in the, I put faith in this model, or is that something where you go in and really evaluate the, the inputs that are leading to that result? Oh, hundred percent. There have been a few times like specifically like recently with like Kyle Pitts or not fuck, KJ Hamler. Like KJ Hamler, I think was a, I think a top twenty dynasty receiver because of the model, and so I went and, and tweaked that to be like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, why are you so high? So I went and tweaked the model. Another very specific instance is actually in the tight ends. So before I added, and I think this is was actually the motivating factor specifically for tight ends to add in points per game was Pat Fryermuth. Before Pat Fryermuth had played a snap, I had him as Dynasty tight end six in the model. Had no idea why. I was like, I do not understand why this is happening. I like Pat Fryermuth. I think if Pat, Pat Fryermuth was in this class, he would be talked about to a lesser extent, but as a clear-cut dynasty tight end one, or not dynasty tight end, yeah, dynasty tight end one for any other class except the one that he was in because Kyle Pitts was there. Like, if he'd come out in 2020, he would have been above Cole Komet. If he'd come out in 2022, he's easily above Trey McBride for me. If he comes out in 2023, I probably am still taking Michael Meyer. Um, <laughs> but he's, but that, again... that faith to the test. <laughs> but again... He's very close to, in my opinion, Pitts, Meyer, Bowers, and belongs in that discussion, but I wasn't ready to fully commit to that when he was a rookie. 
And I was like, okay, I've got to figure out a way to drop him down in the model. And that was where I kind of tweaked. And I think, like I mentioned, added the actual points per game for the tight end position to get him to drop a little bit more. So we could actually see what he would develop into in year one. That makes sense. I mentioned that was going to be the last drink of our second round here process over results. Um, since I am the substitute bartender, I want to get a quick time check with you, Shane. Shane, do we have time for a little bit of bonus round, or do we need to start wrapping this thing up? Let's get it. I'm here. Let's do it. All right. So this bonus round, I'm assuming most people that are tuning in have a pretty good idea of who you are. We kind of skip over the get to know you bit. What I wanted to do specifically is I wanted to look at a couple areas where your model is a good bit separate or away from ECR. Yeah. And the first one, shout out to our guy, G-Men J, was just litigated on Twitter today. And that is Justin Herbert, ECR QB3 in Dynasty. You've got him all the way down at six. What is the matter with you? How has your model failed you in such a tremendous way? So this may be a slight oversight, a slight bit of oversight. When Justin Herbert came out, I was much lower on him than I should have been. I have since severely flip-flopped. So when he came out as a rookie, the thing that stuck in my mind is it's going to be team bias again, okay? I'm an Auburn fan. His senior year, he played Auburn for the first game. Auburn won that game, not because of their offense, okay? Admittedly. If you know me, you know I absolutely cannot stand Gus Malzahn. He is the worst coach in America to me because he has ruined the careers of any quarterback that he has coached, including Bo Nix. Bo Nix made a decent throw to win the game. But Auburn's defense that year was stout. think they allowed maybe 20 points a game, which in college football is phenomenal, especially in the SEC with how the SEC and the offense is growing. They were a very good defense. So what worried me about Herbert was I didn't think he had it between the ears. I didn't know if his decision-making was going to be good enough. I didn't think he was going to be able to pull his team through to a win, which, I mean, I guess if you look at it, technically still may stand true. But after watching him in the NFL, his arm talent is is bar none one of the top top ones. So that's where I think it may be an oversight. I may need to upgrade his um, passer rating to a five because I've only got it as a four. Mm. And I have his rushing as a three. And that, to me, is, I think, perfect. The way That's I categorize a three is someone who is a capable rusher, but it's not their first weapon or even their second weapon. It's not if they if the play breaks down, they're able to get you 10 yards every single play. With Herbert, he's a capable rusher. He can go out and get you 10 yards if the play breaks down, but he's not looking to do that as a first or second instinct. 
And so that's where I have him as a three. Opportunities a five. Weapons are a three, and I think that's a fair evaluation. Oh, got Keenan that Allen. was my question for you. Okay. He's got Keenan like, Allen. He's got Mike Williams, who's after week three, I think, fell off the face of the earth relative to weeks one through three. Josh Palmer, I'm, I think, has a ton of upside, but still hasn't proven enough to be there. Eckler's had health issues the last couple of years, but is a very good back. After that, there's not much, in my opinion. So I think so that, that's where I've got him as a three. That was that was where I wanted to go with the question, and it, it illustrates a point, right? Like that is, I mean, categorically, what is what is dragging him down, right? If he was uh, a, a three and a half somehow, or a four in that category, um, I think yeah. he's you know right there in kind of the three or four spot. Well, but Eric, because because you asked, let's play with this a little bit. Let's bump him up to a five, which I think is what he should truly be for a passer because his his arm talent is like we said. Yeah. So that bumps him up to four. I'm good with to that four. making that move live on air. Right now live. The uh the the point that I was getting at is with um with his weapon sitting at three, it also illustrates that you're kind of out on Mike Williams, right? Um relatively so it's, yeah. It's it's one of those areas where you know how you quantifiably rank and evaluate these players can tell you so much more about the other players that share the field with them. The the other, and I, I'll say the other, it's actually the largest discrepancy that I found anywhere on this sheet, at least tied for the largest. Derek Carr, ECR's got him at sixteen. You have him down at twenty four. Mm-hmm. What did Derek Carr do to you? Nothing. I actually like Derek Carr quite a bit. Um, I think looking at it, his opportunity is probably technically too low. Maybe it needs to be a three and a half because you like those half points. My or, even a half. F- or even a four. Um, but at the same time, like to me, Derek Carr isn't going to win you a fantasy matchup, right? Most likely. That may change with Devontae Adams, which is where, again, those were, that's where those tweaks can come in. But I think evaluation-wise, I've got him right probably where he needs to be. Like, passing yeah. is a four. He's a good passer. Rushing, he's not going to run the ball unless he really and truly needs to. Again, opportunity is probably where needs some work. His weapons, he's got a four, though. I love Devontae Adams. Darren Waller is a top five tight end. Hunter Renfro, the accountant, love him. I'm worried with Renfro specifically about how Adams will eat into that, but I still think Renfro is a good weapon. And then Josh Jacobs, I I love Josh Jacobs. Where? Hold on, we're gonna click over to that real quick. Uh, wow, I think he. I've got him at uh, RB15, right behind Nick Chubb. And part of that is probably because of the usage that he's received so far. Um, But so that puts Derek Carr, his weapons at a four. And I think that's decent. His age is a four and his points per game. That's probably honestly where what's driving him down as far as it is, is his points per game is only a two. 
if he were able to produce with the weapons that he's got, I think he'd end up much higher. Again, I do think I need to upgrade that opportunity to a three and a half, maybe though, to really, really bump that in. We'll just edit this out. It was hey, only a matter of time. That's cool, man. We can edit this out. <laughs> um, hey, so, kiddo. oh, you can't hear you. You're, you're in my ear. Oh, well, he can what see me wave. Sam? Sammy, do you see Mr. Shane? He's tired. Yeah. Um, I heard I heard his little his little pitter patter, and then he he got to my room. And saw that I was not in there and started freaking out. <laughs> he was like, they finally left me. That's funny. Hey, Sammy. What? What do you need? Water. You want some water? Don't drink that water. Or that water. Let me get him some water. Ew. Yeah, no worries. Those cups are disgusting. Yeah, those cups are disgusting. Unless you're daddy. Roll, roll tide. I'm going to sleep good tonight. Man, it is 11.50. Fuck. Yo. Yo. Hi. Sorry. It's all right. Shit happens. Um, so you went basically all the way through that Derek Carr mm -hmm. answer with me 
muted and camera off. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I don't know if you care to keep that in there, but I mean, you, you gave you gave a good answer. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'll keep it in there, and we can just edit this little like two three minute chunk out. Right, or you could take a still of my face and then just drop it over where the stop camera. I'm not that talented, was. nor do I care enough. <laughs> um, cool. So I had three more discrepancies to touch on. Let's you maybe it. just want to hit like one more and then jump into last call. No, we can hit all three. You sure? Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Well, on, on my side, I don't know if dude's going to stay in his bed that long. <laughs> if it's only three, we should be able to hit him pretty quickly. Cool. Do you see him in there? It's uh, Saquon, it's CD Lamb, and it's Cooper Cup. Yeah. Let's jump over to Saquon. All right. Um, and how do I wrap this thing out? I can Last wrap it call. up for you. Okay. Yeah, I'll wrap it up for you. I'll wrap it up so that way you can plug yourself and pros with Joe's and whatnot. So many things to plug. It's okay. It's I, not always, I always feel like a straight up jerk. People are like, anything you want to shout out? I'm like, one, two, three, four, five. I promise it's not as many as Nate, so it's okay. Oh, God. Dude's everywhere. Yes. All right. I don't know how he does it. Three. Um, wait, don't count me in yet. So you just finished your Derek Carr answer. Yep. Um, and I'm going to go into Saquon. Yep. All right. Count me in whenever you're ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. And I, I mentioned that Derek Carr was tied for the biggest discrepancy between ECR and your rankings. The person that he's tied with is Saquon Barkley. You are actually much higher on Saquon than consensus. He is your RB5 consensus. ECR has him at RB13. Walk us through why your model likes Saquon so much. Man, I think this probably ends up going to what we discussed earlier where running back is the least... I guess galvanized is maybe the word I want to use least dug into position, which I don't know why. Like I like running backs, but um, it's probably because with running backs, I'm, I'm just looking for like, I want that volume essentially. And so I think with Saquon specifically, maybe his opportunity is probably too high because of injury risk. And that's something that I haven't necessarily factored into the opportunity score previously. The talent for me is still there, no question about it. The problem with Saquon has always been being on the field. And so I think right now that's probably why I am higher on him than consensus is just simply because I still believe in the talent. And I think long-term, or I'm hoping long-term that will pay off for me. Because, I mean, he's, what, 25, I think. But if you look at, like, years in the league and carries in the league, he's probably 
23-ish, if you look at it that way, because he's missed a, a year or two due to injury. So I think probably that's where I need to figure out a way to kind of modify that to where injury is, is played into a little bit more, specifically with Saquon and probably a few other players across the different positions. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's either either there there's there should be call for making a injury concern category mm-hmm. or injury concern and injury history should arguably play a role in opportunity and in age, right? Yeah. Um, you know, someone who's blown their knee out three times, uh, even if they're 24, probably runs like a 27-year-old, right? So um, something, something – And as a 27-year-old category. who's not in the NFL, if you run like me, you're going to get tackled. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's shift over to the wide receiver room. There's actually two guys that – don't have quite as large a discrepancy, but I think they're interesting guys to talk about. I was actually a little surprised to see this. ECR has CD Lamb as wide receiver three. Your model is really? a bit closer to where I put him. I've got him at five. Your model has him at six. Um, so maybe kind of on the other side of this, right? Thus far, we've been looking at guys and you know trying to pinpoint, you know, what's sort of dragging them down. Looking at C.D. Lamb here, what do you think is maybe driving up his consensus value relative to what you have in your model? I have no idea. Like, So I think the thing that would probably drive him up in ECR would be opportunity, but I've got him as a five. you got him as a five, yeah. The only... I think this may be where my points per game possibly, like for me specifically, might be driving him down just a little bit. And just for context too. So like my top five for Dynasty wide receivers is Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Adams, and Debo Samuel. The difference between – so and their total scores out of five – Jefferson's a 4.42, Chase is a 4.36, Waddle's a 4.3. Shit, who's four? Adams is a 4.17. And then Debo's a 4.07. And CD Lamb is a 4.06. And I've got Calvin Ridley right behind him at also a 4.06. So if we probably expand that out to multiple decibels. Uh, decimal points, that's probably where the discrepancy between CD and, and Calvin Ridley comes in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that would that's probably the factor is fantasy points per game that's driving CD Lamb down in my model to put him at wide receiver six. I'm pr- like, I would be fine with having him at wide receiver three, according to ECR. Um, Hey, Fantasy Nightcap listeners, this is FF Shane B here, giving you guys a quick ad for Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, 
the entire web becomes listenable, all in one place. You can browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling, start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like from sports, like us, science, to Bitcoin, or even the Kardashians. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, which is where we come into play. So explore trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Our podcast, Fantasy Nightcap, is there too. I started using it as my default podcast app, and you should too. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code FNC Podcast. That's with a zero, not an O, and receive a one-month free premium subscription. Have a great day and join Newsly. I'm t- apparently just super high on Waddle, and I think so. I think the other thing too is probably average separation. So, like Jefferson and Chase, they run away with everything: route running, uh, hands, speed, opportunity quarterback for Jefferson's a little iffy, but then age and, and fantasy points per game, they blow everything out of the water. Waddle, where he kind of, I guess, beats them. He beats them significantly in average separation. He's a four. They're both twos. Lamb is a three. Debo's a three. Devontae's a three. So I think that might be what's driving CD Lamb down, as well as that average separation that we talked about. Yeah, the the thing for me that I think gives more credence to your model is really fantasy points per game is playing a huge role in him being, you know, quote unquote down to six. Yeah. And to me, I th- I think that that really illustrates like people are getting out over their skis a little bit on CD Lamb, right? Like they're projecting him to have this fantastic year and he certainly has some vacated targets that he can gobble up. We haven't seen him do it yet. So it, it feels like three is probably a bit of a reach three for CD lamb more than six being an undervaluation. Yeah. I think three is a ceiling. Yeah. Realistically, like Jefferson and chase, like easily one and two. And I just recently moved Jefferson above chase and it's because I had I had to make his opportunity at five, like we talked about. Yeah. And that's what, like, everything else withstanding, I think they're tied in everything but two categories, which are quarterback and fantasy points per game. So with Lamb, he's right there with them on pretty much everything but fantasy points per game. He's significantly lower than both of them. But I think his upside leans towards that ECR of three. But I think a valuation of six is probably more realistic right now. If he goes out and balls out this year, which is an easy possibility, he can easily jump to number three. But I, I, I'm fine. If you have CeeDee Lamb anywhere in your top ten, I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess my point is like, if someone's willing to give you, you know, Devonte Adams plus for CD Lamb, he's ECR wide receiver six. Um, I'm pretty happy to be on that side of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. So these are things that um, you know, doing these random checks, you know, really gives you a good gauge for 
not only how you're evaluating the players, but you know the the market for that player and that market valuation. The last guy that I want to touch on before we get to last call, speaking of CD Lamb ceiling, is coming off of the ceiling production of all ceiling production seasons, and that's last year's wide receiver one, Cooper Cup. He is ECR wide receiver number four. You've got him down all the way at number 10. Let's uh, let's double click on him in the model and see where that discrepancy is born of. So hands, I've got a four. I probably need to upgrade that. Route running is also a four. Probably need to upgrade that technically. Um, but I think where I'm comfortable with leaving him at a four is his average separation is a three. So that, mm-hmm. that to me kind of tells me like, Okay, he's probably he's a good route runner. We know that, but his average separation of of using that route running skill is where maybe he lacks a little bit, and maybe it's that athleticism, that speed, which is also a four. Opportunities of five, like that's clear cut, Clearly. no questions about it. <laughs> um, quarterback is a four, and that's simply like. Basically, what it did, like we talked about earlier, is took the top five. There's your there's your five on the quarterback rating. Next six to seven are five or fours, and then there's a decent chunk that are threes. Then you've got your twos, and then you've got your ones. With where Stafford ended up, based off of a points per game standpoint, puts him at, puts Cooper Cup at a four. Age that is probably where. He's dropped. And again, like I mentioned, so CeeDee Lamb is a 4.6, 4.06, and Ridley's a 4.06. I don't know who I have above them, but Cooper Cup's a 4.03. It's so, Hill and Diggs between Ridley and Cup. Yeah, so Hill then would be the 4.05. I'm not, I can't see the score and the player. Yep. And then Diggs would be a 4.03. Tied with right. Cooper Cup. So there's really like it's a minuscule difference, which I think again, Eric, that leads to your point that we talked about earlier. Like, how can we true how can I truly differentiate between these players on such a simple one to five scale, which is where those point fives come in, you know? <laughs> those pesky point fives. I think the another point that it illustrates for me is this is a really good way to identify the tier breaks in your rankings whenever you're going into startup drafts or you're going mm-hmm. into um, uh, rookie drafts if you wanted to apply it this way, right? Like if if you look at our top three, they're all within, you know, essentially one-tenth of a point to each other. Yep. Then we've got Devontae Adams sitting in a category to his own. And then we've got this tier of, you know, seven or eight guys that are all in the, you know, uh, one one hundredths of a decimal point of a 4.0. So, you know, very much so those pieces can kind of be treated somewhat interchangeably. So if you're in a draft and one of them slides, uh, if you're in a draft and you're trying to get a gauge of when that tier is going to dry up, um, you know, having this list handy, um, you know, using it as an opportunity to maybe get a piece in a trade that's technically in the same tier, but you get a little bit on top. These are the things that, you know, these are the margins where you're going to uh, get an edge in the dynasty game. 
Well, and that brings up a good point, actually. You and I were talking kind of off air. I made a trade uh, recently in a, a 14-team Superflex yeah. league, and this we're going to tie it all back together, Eric, because we're, we're awesome like that. I've got Joe Mixon as RB6 with a 4.16 total score. I traded Nick Chubb, who is RB14. My eyes are treating me right. right. And is at a 3.84 out of 5. So I traded Nick Chubb in a 2024 second for Joe Mixon. That almost plays into the point that you've been making the whole time. Like, and kind of why I built this is like I can use this as a trade chart. Haven't yet, but what do you and and I'm gonna pose this to the listeners and to anybody on Twitter, like what do you think of that trade? Nick Chubb and a 2024 second or Joe Mixon? And I think that leads us. We're just going to leave that open ended. Nope. Leads us right into our last call. Do you have anything else that you want, as the bartender, that you want to discuss before we go into last call? Uh, no, I, I think we've. I mean, I think we've really touched it all. We've uh, we've gone into some deep dark corners of this model. Um, I think it's you know, if if anything, it it highlights you know two things. One just the importance of getting these thoughts out of your brain grapes and into <sighs> something that you can reference. Right. Um, and then really just taking a critical eye to it, right. Identifying those areas where you're different from ECR, identifying those areas where you don't like where a guy is ranked and just ask the age old question. Why, why is it this way? Is it yep. something in my method? Is it something in the market? Is it a combination of several factors, right? Like well, these, yeah. these late night ponderings are what will fine tune your game and help you get better and better year over year. Well, and Eric, that brings up a phenomenal point when it comes to me, like me specifically, when it comes to drafting or, or trading, there are guys that like, yes, I may agree with the market valuation of their price specific to drafting. Mm-hmm. But relative to that, I'm not willing to take them at that price. Like, I understand why the price is there, but it's not something that I'm comfortable with. I would rather player XYZ instead of this player because I feel like their price has been driven too high. Yeah. I mean, someone that we just talked about, for me, that fits that perfectly is Cooper Cup. Right. Um, in dynasty startups in redraft, like I'm not going to have any Cooper cup this year. Cause I mean, I, I think it's a fair grade on, you know, where he's being drafted, but I'm not going to take him that high if I happen to have that pick. So, you know, for me, he falls in a few slots below. I think, I think he's as high as like wide receiver as the second overall pick in redraft right now. Yeah. And like, you can make a strong case for it, but there are probably four or five guys that I want ahead of him. So where I have the second pick, I'm not going to have him. And where I don't, he's going to be gone by the time I draft him or by the time I'm drafting. So, um, you know, all that is to say, I'm probably not going to have a whole lot of cup in leagues where I don't already have him on my roster. Yeah. I mean, to that point, I'm in a underdog best ball draft with friend of the show, Jake Trowbridge. 
and he went as the third overall player behind Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. Wide receiver one. Yeah. I don't, going, I'm, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm comfortable even in redraft, I don't know if that's comfortable for me to take him there because he had an extremely good season. Like outlier season, 200 targets. Like that's very hard to repeat. Can I, um, can I borrow from our friends over at front yard fantasy and toss a little trivia at you? Of course. Hit me. Um, so once again, shout out to, to Jeff. I was recording a devil's advocate piece for him making mm-hmm. the argument against Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. And one of the stats that I pulled, do you know who the last player was to have back-to-back seasons finishing as the wide receiver one? Oh, I do, I think. I think we have talked about him in this episode previously. It's Antonio Brown. It is. And for bonus points, he actually went three years in a row. Yep. So apart from Antonio Brown, who at his height was absolutely insane, it's incredibly rare to find any of the number one finishers repeating as the number one the following year. Um, And this is probably, this is probably a flaw in my logic. I just like, I have a mental block about paying someone's ceiling price for them. Like, yeah, no, he did everything you need to, to justify being the first wide receiver off the board and going two or three overall. I just never feel comfortable paying maximum price for anyone. Yeah. Well, to your point, like, I, I think, like Trey Lance right now, I feel like Trey Lance's value is through the roof. If Trey Lance has a good season, can you really get that much more value from him than where he's being valued as right now for people other than me? Because, like, I'm going to go look at my QB rankings real quick. <laughs> and uh, did, 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 oh, this is ugly. Where are you? Hold on. 26. He said 26. Yeah, exactly. And part of that just for there you are, you beautiful bastard. Um part of that right now is his opportunity is only a two. Hmm. Because I still believe he's in a, a quarterback battle with Jimmy G. Jimmy G hadn't been cut. Jimmy G hadn't been traded. We've seen the 49ers start Jimmy G over Trey Lance for an entire year. What's to say that they don't go with what's comfortable and stick with Jimmy G? Who has been to NFC Championship games and I believe Super Bowls as the starting quarterback. He believed Super Bowls. He was one throw away from beating Patrick Mahomes that year. Yeah. If he if he just Look, didn't overthrow after midnight my time. That's fair. I apologize for not being able to remember that. Hey, you uh you nailed the trivia though. So you're one and one. Um, but to to your point, Trey Lance is as high as ECR quarterback ten. I'm not and if you look at there. if you look at your rankings. Go all the way up to 12. I feel like Jalen Hurts' season last year is like the ceiling for Trey Lance. 
Mm-hmm. And even he is coming in below where Trey Lance is being drafted right now. So yeah. I'm definitely not- screams value and opportunity based on what we've seen and know of Trey Lance and how the market is treating him. Yeah, and, and Trey Lance is a guy that, like, because of market price, it's one of those guys I'm not touching. Or if I do have him, somehow, I'm selling him. Flip him. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to uh, to Seth Keller and, and Dynasty Pat, Pat Loftus, of the, the fantasy FAQs, the fantasy facts. They tweeted out a, a question today, who are you buying and who are you selling in Dynasty? I'm buying Travis Etienne at the running back position because I feel like this guy, like I've been super high on Etienne for years. Like I, I joke the worst birthday present I got, I think for my 23rd birthday was Travis Etienne declaring to go back to school. (laughs) Like, no, I want to play you in fantasy. Yes, because I had the third or fourth pick in my rookie draft that year for my home league dynasty. And I was like, I am smashing the bejesus out of Travis Etienne at this pick. I don't care where he goes. It's Travis Etienne. And then literally on my birthday, I get the notification that he's going back to Clemson for a senior year. I'm like, you motherfucker. Like jerk move Etienne. Yeah. So, um, I've completely lost my train of thought here with this, but sell sell Trey Lance. That's that's what it was. Trey Lance, they asked for a, a dynasty buy and a dynasty sell. My buy was Etienne and my sell was Lance because I think I feel like even if he has the season that everyone thinks that he's going to have that's what QB5 at best. Like I don't see him passing Allen. I don't see him passing Mahomes. Don't see him passing Herbert. Don't see him passing Lamar. Don't see him passing Burrow. And I don't even know if that's my top five. Pretty sure it's damn close, though. Yeah, it is. Tyler. Tyler is the the one that I missed. I don't see him passing those guys. I could see him passing Dak. Because Dak's rushing upside isn't as high as Lance's potential. But that still puts him at QB7. Yeah, people I feel like are drafting him as QB four or five, and I'm just like, I don't get it. <laughs> it uh, it definitely creates a nice opportunity for us to exploit, um, and is yet another reason to or for us to advocate for getting your rankings down onto paper, even if it's the most simple version of I'm going yeah. to list everyone top to bottom, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Getting that out there is the easiest way to identify where you are say, separate from the market. Seriously, if you were wanting to start your, your rankings, which is the whole inspiration of this show and the, the previous episode, is like, if you're wanting to start your own rankings, do it. Just start. Get them ranked, kind of like Eric was just saying, 1 to 32, 1 to 35, because there's... Uh, there's Trey Lances you know, out there mucking there's, up there, the works. There's Trey Lances and Jimmy G's. <laughs> there's Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Drew Locke and Geno Smith. There's three questionable situations. Matt Corral, hint, hint, wink, wink, go get him, and Sam Darnold. There's all those different situations, but get them ranked. Do some kind of your own subjective grading. I don't care what it is, but get a grade on them and build your rankings that way. 
And then, because the, so again, this is the ultimate question of what this whole show was about. Like, how did you start? Started completely subjective. What did I typically based on film? And then slowly add in those quantitative aspects to fine-tune it and pare it down to what you want it to be. Because everyone's got rankings in their head, including me. Just got to find it. So, All right. I think that wraps up this episode. Eric, I'm going to take over bartending duties for just a small minute. Get on back here. And ask you, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah. Um, as you so neatly did and flexed your StreamYard knowledge to me, uh, you just pulled down my banner so you can follow me over here at FantasyNav on Twitter. It's where basically all of the random places that I hang out on the internet are consolidated at fantasy nav shout outs. We are ramping up our um, registration process for pros with Joe's three More information coming out on that in the coming days and weeks. Anyone who wants to get a head start, the registration forms are already live on the website. So at pros with Joe's on Twitter, pros with Joe's.com. If you want to get out in front of the rush from when we start promoting it and my current favorite project at least where i'm spending the vast majority of my free time and headspace is green screens media get green screens on twitter and on tiktok if you're over on youtube green screens media we are covering all things niche sports and dfs right now we are on a huge college basketball kick we are interviewing beat reporters from all of the major programs we've got duke and unc queued up for this week we've got the champion kansas jayhawks queued up for this week several more to come multiple times every single week so get green screens or at get green screens on twitter and on tiktok is the best place to follow to find all of the work that we're doing over there i'm just bitter sorry because auburn peaked at the wrong time this year so well you get to have the first overall pick in the draft and jamari smith so that's a nice. Concept. I would love for him to go first overall. I don't know if he actually will. I think he should. Mm-hmm. His upside is Kevin Durant level, right? Um, but I I don't know if he'll actually end up going there. I I if I remember correctly from from different projections, I I think he'll end up going third. Which I'm third fine with. to Houston. Let's go. I'll take him on the sprockets. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Eric, you did a wonderful job as bartender. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, this will actually end up being on YouTube at uh, the Fantasy Nightcap, which we just hit our 100 subscriber mark, so I can finally change that URL. Get, um, weird, get rid of that weird UID in your URL. Good <laughs> Lord, it's it's bad. It's like URX7V34PySign. Yep. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Um, so we'll, we'll be changing that very, very shortly. I just need a couple, uh, couple of things changed real quick, but, um, make sure you like, and subscribe on YouTube. It is the fantasy nightcap. And then make sure you follow me on Twitter at FF Shane B and you can follow the show at fantasy nightcap. This show is on all of your preferred podcasting networks. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, 
Amazon because I've been working my ass off um, to get you there. So make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you follow on your preferred podcasting network. If you're feeling generous, please leave a review. Um, the whole goal of this show is to give you fantasy information from a, a different aspect, I guess, to make you truly feel like you're just sitting at the bar with a couple buddies listening and, and drinking beer. So hope you guys enjoyed. This was a really fun episode for me, and I hope for Eric as well, who you guys should follow at Fantasy Nav on Twitter. And this is the Fantasy Nightcap, where we serve you fantasy advice. Straight, no chaser. Cheers. Cheers.